One of the greatest benefits of homeschooling is all the time that we get to spend together as a family. And one of the greatest challenges of homeschooling is all the time that we get to spend together as a family. Sibling relationships can be a challenge for every family. And today, our guest is going to hit that topic head on. So stick around. Welcome, listeners, to the Sequoia Breeze podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. Listeners, today I have Kendra Fletcher with me, and we are going to talk about the perhaps sensitive topic, but probably pressing topic of siblings in your homeschool because they're together all day, right? (laughs) And so it can get a little tricky. And welcome, Kendra. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rebecca. Very, very excited to be here. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So uh, I'm old. That's that's the first thing right there. Uh, We have uh, eight children, my husband and I. We did not, um, we didn't plan that super well. Um, We did figure out how we had them, but <laughs> so eight children. Um, and actually when our oldest was about four, um, I realized, uh, he's super little smarty pants and, um, he's, <laughs> he's, he was already reading. And I thought, Oh no, if I put him into a kindergarten classroom, it's going to just be like, you know, he'll be bored and <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of self-control. And so I just stuck my big toe into homeschooling. That was 19. Oh my gosh. 1997 crazy, right? So um, he, we started homeschooling him and I kind of caught the bug and um, we kept having children. And 25 years later, I, I finished my homeschooling career. Um, I do still have a a 16 year old uh, at home and a 15 year old. The 16 year old um, is pretty independent. He homeschools through a a school here um, and, and is taken charge of that on his own. And then the youngest one is a special needs student and he goes to school. So somehow I've worked myself out of home. Eight kids in there. <laughs> With eight kids, um, I you definitely will have some distinct experience in t- talking about uh, siblings. You're yes. also you teach as well, correct? I do. I teach online through outschool.com. So yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. And my daughter actually was in your one of your book clubs. So what? <laughs> online. Wait, how did I not know this? <laughs> Did I, know? I didn't know this. That's fantastic. I, she was in the Island of the Blue Dolphins. Oh, very fun. Okay, so. good. Did she? <laughs> Let's talk about the struggles of having, you know, you're, you're homeschooling and yeah. you, you probably have some activities um, that kids are involved in separately. But for a good portion of most days, your kids are all home together. Yes. And we all know that getting along with your brother or sister is harder than getting along with anybody else. So (laughs) talk a little about the struggle of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the the order of our family was three boys, then three girls, and then two little boys at the end. And so there was a little bit of natural grouping, but also there were dynamics that shifted. And I'm sure, you know, anybody who has two or more children, the dynamics shift from year to year and changes in kids, you know, maturity and things like that. And so 
we would find that, you know, for example, that third boy would be really close to the brothers above him. And then they'd sort of move on a little bit in maturity. And then he would pal up with the oldest daughter, you know, that was right below him. And, and that would kind of switch back and forth for a lot of years. Um, And so, conflicts arose because of that. People felt a little left out, maybe here or there, teasing and, you know, all those kind of things. Um, so yeah, we, we sort of had it all. Uh, one of the things that I did super early on, um, like long before there was the whole uh, morning basket thing, um, we did a, a group teaching time uh, and we, we called it circle time just because that's what we called it. And, uh, and I did that on purpose because I didn't ever want my little ones to feel like they were just being kind of shoved off in a corner while we were doing school, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And it also fostered some really nice relationships with the older ones. I had a, a very um, personal policy of mine (laughs) that I didn't really want my older ones to feel like they were bearing the burden of parenting the little ones. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I made very sure that I was doing that. But at the same time, there were just some natural opportunities for the older ones to connect with the younger ones. And um, I would say our oldest daughter, who's now 24, and our youngest child, uh, I always joke that he loves her more than he loves me, because she (laughs) was, you know, she was kind of, I think she was about nine or 10 when he was born. And it was just this, you know, she just wanted to be around him. And so that natural naturally occurred. Um, but we also allowed for some of those opportunities to occur uh, through some group teaching time and doing some things together. On the flip side, we also really valued everybody having their own space and time. Um, and I don't think you really need a, a big, huge house to do that. You know, if you just sort of say, hey, guys, go grab a corner of the couch or, you know, whatever time you need to not have to uh, be social (laughs) or, uh, you know, interact with each other. I think that's super valuable. I'm an introvert. So, you know, I find the value in that. Um, But I think our kids need that too. How do you decide who gets to sit in the front seat? (laughs) I love that. Uh, Well, (laughs) I... I mean, I'm the mom. I'm like, oh, it's so nice to have. I'm just up here by myself. Everybody's back there, you know. And uh, so I was really strict about the 12 year thing. I'm like, nope, you have to be 12 to sit in the front seat. And then when that oldest turned 12, I was like, darn, <laughs> I, have, I have to have him sitting up here with me. Um, so we kind of started like that. And it was just sort of, um, yeah, or I think order, you know, order who was the oldest getting in the car with me. That one usually got to sit in the seat if they were 12. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. And it's hard, you know, with eight kids, if you're on the couch reading loud or something, who you've only got two sides to sit next oh, to. Oh, my gosh. One of my favorite photographs is of me lying down on my stomach, reading a book in the play yard <laughs> with two on top of me, like, you know, sitting on my back. Like I'm a do- like I'm a dog, and then like the the next one up, kind of hanging out with them. We're all in the play yard, and then the older kids were outside of it. I mean, it was survival. My last two were 14 months apart, and um, I was <laughs> like clearly in survival mode, and I had to get in the play yard apparently to keep everybody happy. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I think that with. Um- with trying to keep the peace of siblings, but more than that, perhaps um, trying to build relationship. The challenge yeah. is while the kids have relational work to do, they they won't figure it out on their own, most likely. It's, right. it's up to us as parents. It is, it's a challenge to us to help them know how to 
love one another, how to give of themselves, how to see the other person for who they are instead of who they wish they were. Um, And talk a little about how you would encourage parents to, to go about that. You know, I, I think one of the the big things that um, I, I keep saying as an older mom is just have the conversation. Like, don't be afraid to go there with those difficult topics, no matter what it is. Um, get it all out in the open and, you know, say, hey, you two have so much conflict. What is going on? You know, and have that conversation and allow them to voice their frustrations or their struggles. And And perhaps they, you're right, like sometimes they can't even say that. <laughs> for themselves. They can't always, you know, uh, discern what it is that they struggle with in that relationship or relationships. Um, but I think ignoring it or, you know, just disciplining for it doesn't really get to the root of what's going on. Um, and so like, uh, you know, take the time if you're folding laundry or, uh, I would, <laughs> we lived on property at the time and the walk to the mailbox was a, a bit of a walk. And so I would grab a kid and say, come walk with me and get the mail with me and let's talk. Um, what's going on? What's happening here? Why are you so struggling with this sibling? Oh, she's a show off or she's, she's just so, you know, immature. I can't stand the way she talks around my friends or she takes all my stuff. These are actual things we've lived through. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, whatever it is and, and to allow them to have that that conversation with you and then to say, okay, I understand that, but you know what? You're going to have conflict in relationships your whole life. Um, that's just reality. We're humans. We're flawed. You are a jerk too sometimes, you know? Uh, you're going to find out when you get married that you're a jerk just as much as your spouse is. <laughs> and so, you know, that's reality, kiddo. And let's um, let's figure out how to go beyond that and, and be kind and love somebody out of kindness. You know, you don't have to be mushy-gushy. You don't have to be best friends. Um, uh, right now, but how can you um, how can you be kind to them instead of all of this animosity? You know, um, and I think that just kind of starting out those conversations and being super honest with them and being really really honest about my own struggles, I found if I was sort of uh, my husband calls it the chief confessor. <laughs> you know, like if I were the the one, if, if we were the ones who sort of said, yeah, you know what, mom needs Jesus, like mom needs help, mom, <laughs> mom needs you know to try to be kind to to children and to each other and to dad and all of that. Like then they they understand like um, you know this is a human issue and we we do have to figure out how to to stay calm and be kind. And I I have found I feel like often my kids struggle with their sibling. Um, for for two reasons that you're usually the most one is because they are not getting their own way so mm-hmm. it's not the the frustration with the sibling is actually about them <laughs> about yeah, themselves sure. Sure. um and the other is that the sibling one or the other of them might be going through a developmental shift and so yeah. maybe a little a, a younger sibling is kind of going through a, a brain growth spurt and so now they have more ideas about a situation or more opinion or more desire to be involved than they used to. Mm-hmm. And often the older sibling doesn't recognize that that's what's going on. They just know they're doing something different and they're kind of getting in my space or, or it's, it's, you know, how we, how we normally interact is, is not happening right now. And they don't really right. realize, well, you, you need to allow them <laughs> this space to, to, to understand the world around them better to have an opinion about what's going on and to give them the right to a voice in yeah. this situation. <laughs> and so, yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, one of my favorite things is when the older kids will, uh, it's usually, it's usually when a kid gets to about nine, we used to always say, you know, nine-year-old boys are so weird. Um, <laughs> and they would get to that little time, you know, that little period there, that old tween age, you know, nine through 13, perhaps. And the older ones would be like, oh my gosh, he's so cringy. You know, they would always say this and, and I would love to pull out photos of them at the same age, you know, and just be like, do you remember what this felt like? Do you remember how it felt to, to try to fit in, you know, or to try to get the attention of those kids at, you know, um, at co-op or whatever, who you just thought were so cool and they just wouldn't give you the time of day, or do you remember what that feels like? And so it's fun to see them now. I mean, of course there's a little more maturity with, you know, a teenagers, young adults, but they'll, they'll look back now and they'll just kind of shake their head and say, oh, he's going to, he's going to be so embarrassed when, you know, in a couple of years when he looks back on himself, you know? Um, and so I think maybe, maybe what that is, is um, eliciting a little empathy, you know, um, and just kind of saying like, Hey, do you remember when you felt that way? Do you remember how difficult it was? Or if they're the oldest child and there isn't a reference point to just say, Hey, um, you know, it's really, I was the youngest child and I know like how much I looked up to my brothers and so badly wanted them to just, you know, give me the time of day. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could, um, just, just, you know, give them a little bit of something, give them a bone, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and just elicit a little bit of empathy there. Um, if you can, I mean, it's just a human thing, right? I don't, I don't, you know, I, yeah, it's, it, it's heightened, uh, it's, <laughs> made more apparent in um, kids because they, you're right, they don't really necessarily recognize and understand what's going on beneath the surface. But, um, but I think that's a good, you know, relational thing for parents to to have those conversations and just say, hey, um, we, we all kind of go through this awkward thing. We all kind of go through this annoying thing. Um, how can we just be kind? You know, mm-hmm. I think that for some families, while having all of the kids home together and trying to get along as siblings together can be one of the biggest challenges to homeschooling. It is also a pretty incredible opportunity right. for really deep family connection. Yeah. It how really is. You, yeah. How did you foster that as your kids were growing? Um, so I'm not the fun parent. <laughs> I used to <laughs> tell my husband, I'm the has to parent. You're the get to parent. Uh, and you know, he would get home and he'd get to do things with them. And I was like, you know, the one who always like, we do your math, grab, you know, do your laundry. I was like, these are the things we have to do parent, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but without that get to parent, you know, or without that side to me, like, Hey, we're just going to have fun together. We're just going to enjoy one another. Um, I, I don't know that we would have fostered very good relationships, but, but my kids do have some really fun memories together. Um, in fact, one of them was just posting a bunch of old pictures in our family group text last night. And, you know, my oldest is 30. So, and there's grandchildren in the mix and spouses and all of that now. And um, they're still kind of laughing about fun things we did when they were growing up or, or silly things that happened, you know, amongst them or, or whatever. And I think I, as trite as it sounds, I really think that having a lot of get to moments, you know, a lot of fun moments, a lot of memory building things um, is crucial. It's just absolutely crucial to their relationships, to the family dynamic, to kids who want to be part of the family once they've gone off to school or jobs or in a life, um, but who still want to stay connected and still want to have those memories because they had so much fun together growing up too. Did you set that expectation within your family that, hey, kids, 
you don't have to hate each other because you're brothers and sisters. You don't have to disdain one another, but you can be friends. We can love one another, which is so contrary to what we see in the culture. And even if you pay attention to movies and kids TV shows, there's always there. Hollywood always portrays, almost always portrays siblings as being highly irritating and um, <laughs> assuming that it's very normal to have want nothing to do with your sibling. <laughs> right. You're, you're absolutely right. And I would point that out. Um, we would talk about that after watching a movie together, or I read aloud a gazillion books and, you know, I would point it out like, um, Oh, look at how, you know, how great this relationship is, or, you know, what did you think about that relationship with their brother? Or what did you think about this thing that was said in the book or the movie or whatever? And so, you know, I'm just kind of pointed out, but we did a little bit of brainwashing too. <laughs> I mean, we just kind of said, Hey, you guys, you can be each other's best friends. If you, if you want to work on that, like you, you really could have a lifelong relationship here. And I'm going to be super honest. Um, one of my kids has uh, struggles with a mental illness and, um, a, you know, an organic genetic kind of a situation. And, and before that was diagnosed, it was really hard between him and, and two other siblings in particular. Um, and if we had not really fostered this idea that we are on each other's team and we have each other's back, you know, and, and we love each other well, even if it's difficult, uh, I think there would have been, it would have, could have been irreparable um, mm. as they went into young adulthood. Uh, but then once that, once all of the information came flooding in and we, we just, you know, we discovered really what was going on, the other siblings, it, in spite of their hurts, and they did have to work through that for a couple of years, um, they could come out sort of on the other end of it and say, hey, you know what, he is still our brother. We are going to walk this long road with him. It's probably not going to get easier or it's going to be ups and downs because that's the nature of his, uh, his struggle. Um, and so I, I think the foundation was there years and years past where we said it is possible for you to be best friends. It is entirely possible for you to have a great relationship. It doesn't have to look like what our culture uh, communicates or the, you know, all of that antagonism in movies and books and things like that. It doesn't have to look like that. It can look like this. Um, and so when the rubber met the road and it was a really difficult situation with that sibling in particular, they knew that is what they ultimately wanted. Um, and they've been working toward that. So I don't know, you know, I, I, there are things I did that I think, oh, that should have, that should have gotten this result. And it didn't. <laughs> so I don't know that I want to take credit for that necessarily, but I do think we communicated a different picture of what sibling relationships could look like. Well, we were overseas. Um, my kids' friends often, you know, they they came and went. People moved, came, yeah. and then they'd move away. and Or, you know, we'd go home for five months, come back to the States to reconnect, and um, we'd come back and other friends would go back to the States for a few months. And so it was just, and I, we, we talked a lot about other people in your life will come and go, but your siblings are here to stay. <laughs> and so, um, it's, it's a relationship worth investing in because, um, you might have a best friend right now, but something can change in life and they might not be nearby um, right. one day, but your sibling will still <laughs> be your yeah. sibling for the rest of your life. So <laughs> it's, it's so true. groundwork worth laying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's such a great example, Rebecca, of, you know, how how people come and go. Even uh, in, in a daughter who just was married two weeks ago, she had all these bridesmaids up there. And I thought to myself, I wonder, you know, in 20 years, who the ones she'll still be really connected to are. I mean, two of them were her sisters. And I thought, well, those mm -hmm. two. 
Yeah. <laughs> those two should be connected to, you know, but I wonder who of those 10 bridesmaids, you know, is going to still really be a part of her life day to day. Um, I mean, that's just the reality. Uh, and so if we can help our kids maybe even sort of think through that, you know, I mean, you know, when they're little, they're, they're not really, they don't see that. They don't have that perspective, but if we can sort of help them gain a perspective that, Hey, you know what, um, family again, has your back and mm-hmm. we want the best for you and we're looking out for you. And I think our kids do, I think our kids in our home really do feel that this is a, a safe place, you know, and a shelter for them. Um, thank God. <laughs> because I feel like there are a lot of things we did that, you know, sabotage that as well, because we're human. And I want to remind parents who are listening, who um, didn't grow up in a family like that. Um, if you are attempting to create something different in your home, it's never too late to start. And you don't have to do what you know, you can learn a new way. So if, um, sibling rivalry was a big thing or nobody attempted to create peace between the siblings in your home. And this is a kind of mind blowing idea that you, you can actually do that. You aren't just at the mercy of the relationship your kids have. (laughs) Um, you, You can begin to establish new relationships, new expectations now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and just create a different environment and culture. You know, I think mm-hmm. just that, that safety of saying, um, this is a family that wants the best for you. Um, and, and they kind of look at me, you know, like, uh, right. Like uh, that sibling does not have the best <laughs> for me at all. They're grabbing my Legos. What are you talking about? You know? Um, and, and in our home too, and I think, you know, for, for some others as well, our special needs kiddo is really hard to live with. And one sibling in particular has had to share a room with him his whole life. Um, mm-hmm. we are now in a small house, so there's not a lot of bedrooms available and, and that, you know, he's had to learn. And yet I'll tell you, he went off to a, a summer, um, intensive at a university this summer and he walked into his room and his roommate was on the autism spectrum and he just rolled with it. Like it didn't even phase him because he was a sibling so similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, he just, he was just like, yeah, cool. Okay. Um, and it got intense, uh, that, that kiddo had some struggles, um, while he was there. And, and my son just knew, like, just kind of went, knew how to handle it, knew how to diffuse the situation. Um, and for that, I am incredibly grateful, uh, because that was born out of a sibling relationship. Uh, and mm-hmm. I could never have created that in that kid, you know, now I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. he's such a better person than I am. <laughs> Like at 16, you know, he's just this amazing human because he's had adversity uh, with a sibling. And um, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, those are amazing opportunities too. I, I would say just like don't shy away from the conflict because that conflict is really character building as well. It's just an opportunity though to, to sit down and say, I hear you. I see you. I know how hard this is. Let's, you know, figure out how to, how to reach across the, <laughs> the gulf and be kind. So talk to me about a few of the nuts and bolts of daily life homeschooling with multiple kids. Like, how do you find that one kid, the quiet space to do their math? Yeah. When there's other kids who need to ask you questions or need to be read aloud to or all of those different, you know, how do you um, find the space? I wouldn't say find the space. I'd say manage the space so that each kid is able to get done what they need to get done. 
Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking back early on, like once I set a routine, it was very hard for me to like, say, okay, we're going to scrap that entirely (laughs) and start over again. You know, like I had the chart and I knew what the day was going to look like. And then there was one year, I remember I was about half a day into it and realized this is never going to work and had to rethink, you know, all of the strategy. And I, I'm pretty sure that's the year that I decided I was going to meet with them one-on-one. Um, and so I created, I only had six children, um, at one time homeschooling because by the time my, my, yeah, I, well, I know, but by the time, (laughs) by the time my, um, my youngest were starting to homeschool, I was graduating the oldest, you know? And so that's how that worked. And, and I, I had these six and, um, I was able then to say, okay, we're going to give 45 minutes, you know, to this one. And then, and then we're going to take a break and then you come into the, you know, living room with me or whatever, and we're going to work on your stuff that you need me for, for 45 minutes. And then, you know, kind of went down the line. So that is one way to, to, to um, kind of tackle those things that need that one-on-one attention. Kind of overall, what I, what I'm trying to say is that flexibility is going to be the biggest tool that you have. So if that works for your family to grab a child and work with them one-on-one and then go to the next child, work with them one-on-one and have other things for them to do, you know, once you send them out of that one-on-one, it's not like a free-for-all. There's no way I could have survived a free-for-all. So then it was like, okay, I'm done helping you with your math or, you know, this English assignment or whatever it is. Um, Now I need you to go, you know, practice the piano or, you know, whatever that thing is. So, so do have a structure, but if one-on-one is what is needed, um, that was super helpful that year. I think we only did it for one year, um, but that's what we needed to do. And then every single subject that I could do all together, I did all together. So we did a four-year history cycle, um, with gradated, uh, assignments. So the youngest mm-hmm. one is coloring, you know, and the oldest one is taking notes and then off to work on some sort of a, an assignment that was related to the, you know, whatever we were studying in history. That was something we did together. Um, once online, I mean, think about this 1997, there were no classes online, right? Right. <laughs> there was nothing like that, you know? And so once those things became available, um, I did start to take advantage of, of that kind of a thing, even if it was asynchronous, you know, just for a kid to work through something online. Teaching textbooks went that way pretty Mm. early on. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was like, oh, this is glorious. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. can do the lesson and then click that they're finished and move on to the next one. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a little mix of those things was super helpful to me too. So let's take a second while we're talking about this and talk about, since you had lots of experience of homeschooling with babies and toddlers, for the mama who's listening, who's trying to figure out how to manage that I, honestly, a newborn is not that hard, but yeah. the three-year-old talk about. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Actually, I kind of feel like it's like the 18 month old, you know, that yeah. like can't really do anything, but can't also sit still. And oh my gosh. Yeah. That eight, maybe 18 months to three years is really, really mm-hmm. hard or 15 months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I mixed things up a lot. Um, I, I would, I would say, you know, you're going to be in the playpen or the play yard for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Okay. Now we're going to watch Sesame Street. Okay. Now we're all going to go on a walk um, or some of us are, and we're going to leave the older ones to have some quiet house 
<laughs> so they can work on their things. And then we younger yeah. ones, you know, take the younger ones and go take a walk. Okay. Now we're going to come back and fix lunch. Okay. Now we're, you know, I really had to have a schedule like that for myself. That's sort of how I'm wired. So, I mean, I know that that's hard for some people, but for me, it was survival to have a, at least a flow chart. Um, I didn't right. stick to real, you know, like, okay, by 10 AM, we have to be doing this thing. Um, mm -hmm. but there was a flow, uh, you know, an real, order of events, an order of events. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with little ones, you know, it was about kind of micromanaging those order of events. What are we going to do between getting you up and getting you back down for a nap? <laughs> you know, like how do I fill that time? Oh, this was another thing. There was a time, maybe about three or four years where I didn't start school until the afternoon. Um, and it was because I think, you know, those last two, 14 months apart, and then there was a, you know, like a three-year-old above them. And I just had to survive mornings and kind of get everybody, you know, all my ducks in a row and do laundry and all that kind of stuff. And then when those little ones went down for a nap, we dug in and did school. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a bummer because we were, we found ourselves doing school until like four or 5 PM, but mm -hmm. that's how it had to happen. So mm -hmm. How did you manage so many kids wanting maybe their own activities as well? So <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, you can only drive so many kids so many places. Right. <laughs> and still get school done and naps. And <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think the key to this is really figuring out what the priority is um, for your family. So if sports are a priority and you want everybody to play baseball, then then try your darndest <laughs> to get everybody on the same team, you know, or just somehow create some way to do that. We were able to do this with water polo for our three oldest boys because there was a club team in town and it meant it wasn't a traveling team. You know, they did maybe one tournament, I think, you know, every couple of months or something like that. Um, and, and because it was a club team, it was multi-ages. Uh, they didn't all have to be the same. You know, it wasn't like 16 mm -hmm. to 18 or that kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's how we got around that for them. They also did like a, a martial arts. And so martial arts is super flexible that way too. You know, everybody can take the same belt level or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, same with music lessons. Um, I, I found a teacher that we could walk to. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. just little creative ways to kind of go about it. Now, I did have kids who had some specialty things. I had a son who um, was a very serious guitar player, and he ended up taking lessons with somebody at the university. And I did have to make that special concession for him. And I would do that, you know, for any mm -hmm. child who had something a little unusual or out of the, you know, out of the norm. But for everybody else, if we were just trying to get in some like good PE time or, you know, get them moving or get them into music or whatever the thing was, I tried as best I could to sort of lump, you know, at least mm -hmm. a few together in the same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, yeah. For parents who are pulling their kids out of school, and this is maybe their first or second year homeschooling, and the kids are used to relying on a classroom full of friends mm. instead of their siblings. Yes. What advice would you give them as they're getting going on this journey? Well, uh, I had some kids who are super social and were sort of like, uh, I need to be with people all the time. <laughs> and then I had some who it didn't bother them. So I think that that can be, um, you know, a, a child by child 
question. Um, some people are going to pull kids out of a school setting and into their homeschool and the kid's going to be relieved. You know, I've had, I've seen that uh, in my right own here. online classes where kids have told me, oh, I just like when we went online during the pandemic, I was like, this is, I love this, you know, mm -hmm. this is the best. Um, but then other kids are really going to struggle with that. Maybe even a little bitterness, you know, like, why'd you take me out of school? I miss my friends and all of that, those real practical um, issues. And I would say, don't ignore that, you know, allow mm -hmm. them that social time. So figure out with them, like, okay, what does that look like? If we're going to do school at home uh, and you've got siblings that you can hang out with, what, do, what, how are we going to fill that little social cup for you? Um, is it youth group at church? Is it um, co-op? Is it uh, a sports team or an activity or some other kind of a social connection? Um, I mean, it's super important. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm an introvert and I don't necessarily need a whole lot of that. I, I created a giant community <laughs> by birth. <laughs> so, <laughs> I kind of didn't feel that need, but, um, but I, I had to be su super sensitive to my kids who, who were that way. Um, for one daughter in particular, uh, she went into a, a hybrid high school situation. Um, she was super sciencey and wanted, you know, all the labs and all the, to be able to do all the sciences. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not me. Um, and so <laughs> there was a hybrid high school and I'm near us where she could take, uh, online classes on campus classes or homeschool in any combination that filled her social cup immensely. And she, uh, today is a high school biology teacher. So <laughs> Mm. There you go. And she just like, she loves the school thing. You know, it just kind of makes me laugh because there's this homeschooled girl who just loves all the social, you know, aspects of school. <laughs> I'm like, you go girl. Um, and so, you know, we just tried as best we could to really fill that social cup. My husband's pretty social too. So our home was, uh, is, is still often filled with lots of game nights and, you know, people coming by and all of that kind of thing. So um, I know that's really hard if you're both introverted parents. Um, but if you've got that super social kid, you've got to let them fill that cup somehow. Did your, uh, does your biology teacher daughter regret being homeschooled? Not at all. Yeah, not at all. She, um, she's very thankful that we did the high school thing. Uh, she actually does work for a charter which is kind of funny, um, you know, like that's, she didn't necessarily set out to do that and she didn't do her student teaching in a charter situation, but she's doing, you know, she's in like a, a little bit of an out of the box. Well, I say that now 20 years ago would have been an out of the box kind of a, a situation. Um, but now, you know, she's in a charter and she gets it. Like she so gets these kids that are coming out of homeschooled situations or are, you know, just kind of stepping their toe into a classroom situation the, for the first time or whatever. Like she, and she loves that she gets that there are all kinds of ways to educate. She, she noticed that during school and during, you know, during college and during her credentialing program that there were a lot of people who can only see sort of one way of schooling, you know, and she, she mm -hmm. does love that she has a much broader view of what that can look like. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and you know what, you guys don't be, don't, don't worry. I did have my 30 year old come to me and thank me for homeschooling him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was really like, he got, he gained some perspective in his twenties. And uh, one of the things he said to me was mom, I have friends who grew up in all kinds of schooling situations and everybody thinks that their home, their, their school situation had flaws. <laughs> mm. So I, you know, and he just said, I, I'm so glad you homeschooled me. I think it was the best thing for me. So it, it could happen. It could, <laughs> <laughs> you might get some great, grateful attitudes eventually. Well, Kendra, do you have anything else, um, 
that you would like to encourage parents with um, in regards to helping their kids love one another? You know, the only thing I would say, Rebecca, um, at this point is that the, the number one big gigantic benefit for us as homeschoolers was that ability to build relationships in our family. Um, you know, we both come from, from pretty nice families, but that time spent together and listening to my kids talk about their memories and laugh together and, and just really have all this connection because they spent their days together. That's, that's huge. Um, that's not an opportunity everybody gets. Uh, and, and, they they know each other's faults. They know each other's um, you know front sided we- uh, strengths, and they 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 really rely on each other in a lot of ways. I, I find out that they have these little um, text groups behind my back where they talk about me, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's so healthy though, <laughs> so good because I'm sure I annoy the heck out of them. Um, and so you know, like that that's an amazing attribute to being able to homeschool kids. Um, I don't think it's unattainable if you don't homeschool them. I just think it's harder. You know, we, we just mm-hmm. have that opportunity for time spent together. Um, so, you know, if, if everything else is going awry, <laughs> if, you know, if the schooling is, you're struggling to do the math and, you know, all of those things and um, it's hard to get dinner on the table or whatever, um, you know, just remember that your, your kids have an opportunity to get to know each other at the very least, as they're homeschooling. My mother-in-law told me years ago, she homeschooled her kids as well in the 80s and 90s. And she said, if if he can get along with his brother, he can get along with anybody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's so true because I've had these kids go off to college and, you know, you walk in that first day and meet a roommate you never knew before. And, um, and my kids are super flexible that way. Um, one of them walked into a dorm room and said, what and she was talking about a friend and she's like, what is she talking about? These rooms are big. I mean, have you ever seen a dorm room? I'm like, are you kidding me? But because she'd always shared a room her whole life and her friend had not, you know, my daughter was like, yeah, this is no, this is nothing. And the friend was really struggling, you know? So funny. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your years of wisdom and experience with our listeners. And uh, I just really appreciate the time and um, that your, your willingness to be here. Well, thanks so much for asking me again. It was kind of delightful to go down memory lane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and listeners, I will um, put a couple of places where you could see what Kendra is up to and get a hold of her if you wanted to, to ask her any questions in the show notes. So you can be sure to check that out. Listeners, I hope you've been encouraged by Kendra's words and the wisdom that she has to share and her vast experience with her eight children and all her years of homeschooling. Listeners, if you have some tried and true methods for helping our kids learn to love one another in a relationship that will last them all of their lives, would you share that with us? We could all use tips and ideas from parents that have been there and done that and fought that battle that is so worth fighting for. Would you go to your school's website and find the podcast page and click on that button that allows you to speak directly to me. You'll send me a little voicemail that lets and lets me hear you tell me, how have you helped to build your kids' sibling relationships? And before we go today, I've been telling you all about the upcoming literature festival for the last couple of weeks. And 
I want to know which one are you going to? There's an opportunity to attend in Tahoe, Cameron Park, Roseville, Elk Grove, Chico, and Ukiah, all taking place on September 29th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Dress up as your favorite literary character, participate in activities and challenge, and don't forget to stop by while you're there and ask questions and learn about the wide range of services offered to our Sequoia Grove families while you're checking out our school-sponsored information booths, including Adventure Academy, Library Services, Family Liaisons, DIG, Virtual Academies, Multilingual Learners, and High School. I'll be in Cameron Park, so if you're there, please come say hi and get a Sequoia Breeze sticker from me. I would love to meet you. Visit Sequoia Sign Up to let us know that you're coming and find out more details in the Sequoia Scoop. This has been an episode of the Sequoia Breeze podcast. As always, I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. I hope this has been a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. It truly is my desire that you end each of these episodes inspired to start a new tomorrow, to find a little more joy in your homeschool and a little more peace in your family. I'd love to hear from you. Podcasts at sequoiagrove.org or the podcast page on your school's website, 